direct from the web, it's Billy Masters Live. And now, please welcome your host, Billy Masters. Episode 72. You know, what started out as a fun little thing with a pandemic that was going to last a couple weeks, here we are, 72 episodes later. Hello, everyone. This is Billy Masters, and you're watching Billy Masters Live. Oh, my God. Somebody in the control booth is right on their game. Today is Thursday, December 17th. My God, it's a week until Christmas. I don't know where the time has gone. Let me uh, tell you something about today's show. This show, I don't know if this has been the most nerve-wracking show or the most anticipated show, the most excited show for me, because as far as I'm concerned, the Pointer Sisters have been a part of my life since I was an itty-bitty little gay boy in a Boston suburb. And I don't know what it is about the Pointer Sisters, but... They always, you know, putting things into words with for people who you're so excited about and you know and you've spent time with, it's still, you never forget that they are the fabulous Pointer Sisters. For those of you who live in the Boston area or have seen me live um, anywhere in the country, certainly in the 90s, Every, I, I've never really admitted this, but this show even, um, every show began, my opening was the Pointer Sisters' old walk-on from the Opera House album. I actually walked out to da-da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da, and I'd come out to thunderous applause, and it was the Pointer Sisters' applause. You never were applauding me. You were pointing, applying the Pointer Sisters. And any contest or competition or big show that I ever hosted always ended with one song. And I think I have it here. And people would say, up oh, the minute they hear this song, they know it's the end of a Billy Masters show. And it's this song. I love Take My Heart, Take My Soul is perhaps my favorite Pointer Sister song. You know, I don't even think it was a single. Just loved it. And you know what I love about it is that it gives off such joy and exuberance and love and sassiness. And all of those words can be used to describe my guest today. Oh, here it goes. The incredible Ruth Pointer. Hi. <laughs> When was the last time you sang Take My Heart, Take My Soul? Oh my God. I don't I don't even know that I ever have live. I don't know if you ever have either. But it's a you great know, song. I just, I, and I remember when I heard it just now, it brought back memories of I love that song too. <laughs> you know, you guys recorded an awful I mean, there was a huge Pointer Sisters catalog, and it's a lot of songs that you never did record live that you either learned specifically for the studio or were written for you. Um, was there ever a song, let's take take my heart, take my soul off the equation, that you always said, Oh, I really want to do that song, or I really think that could be a hit if they ever gave us a chance? 
Hmm. Right now, I can't think of anything. Um, it was one. It's a. It, there's a year. Uh, Blind faith was all we had. My band knows the song, and we sang it like in. Um, sound check before oh really trying to get it ready but it just never made it into the set yet and it's another great sassy you know it's funny you've always sang i mean there have been beautiful ballads that you've sung but people associate ruth with the sassier gospely tinged kind of riffs well you know what i have to say i think it was my mama's favorite side of me really yeah because uh, my mother was very religious and very, I, I, you know, dare say naive because she, he, she'd been a minister since she was, oh God, 14 or 15 years old. And she oh, wow. never, yeah, she had never really um, ventured out into the world to parties and dancing and drinking and all that stuff. And uh, I, I think she enjoyed watching some of the some of the experiences, <laughs> not all of them. <laughs> but she loved watching me perform um, sassy songs like Neutron Dance and things like that. You know, so. But then I, you I, would I all of a sudden sing because of the gospel tones of the, those songs. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think. But then all of a sudden you'd all of a sudden come out with a beautiful ballad. And we would think to ourselves, oh, a ballad is going to be maybe an Anita song. But all of a sudden, you know, you you shake, you shake, always shook things up in the Pointer Sisters. There wasn't, you know, it may have seemed like there was a formula, but rules are made to be broken. And you ladies broke a lot of rules. Yeah, we really never wanted to be pigeonholed and, and, and thought to be a certain type of group. You know, we, we were we were always very uh, rebellious when they tried to put us <laughs> in a category. You know, we we were always sort of battling and trying to fight our way out of that box. We didn't want to be in a box. You know, I think we should dispel, you know, uh, uh, some misconceptions because you are the eldest of the Pointer Sisters, but you were not originally part of the group. You didn't see it. Exactly. I was not a part of the the original, um, quote unquote, professional group. Right. Uh, when Bonnie and June first started singing around in Oakland, uh, and then later on Anita joined the two of them, Bonnie and June were briefly known as Pointer's Pair. Oh, right. And then Anita joined them, and they actually became the Pointer Sisters Again, because when we were in, we were still living at home and with my father and my, and my mother and singing in my dad's church. And I was with the group and we were the Pointer Sisters way back then. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we were the Pointer Sisters uh, way back in, in the early 60s. And people should know church. both of your parents were ministers. True. Which has to be hard. Yes. <laughs> oh, There's God. no way around that. Yeah, it was hard because, you know, um, we were expected to sort of be the example sure. of what the other kids that belonged to my father's church or even 
our environment, you know, my, I, I remember being told all the time, you're, you're the eldest girl and you should set an example for the others. And oh my God, I was like hell bent on being the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, but but I don't think, you know, I don't think that's an unfortunate thing, because first off, people should remember this is the 60s um, and it was a rebellious time. You're in California. um, You're a kid. Oh, wait, did I lose you? Hold on. I'm not hearing you. Oh, we've lost Ruthie for a second. I'm back. Okay, there she is. Hey. Oh, God. (laughs) Technology. I know. My style is calling me. She knows better. Thank you. And you look fabulous. Who needs her? Thank you. <laughs> Not bad for no glam squad. Well, we're all making do. I yes, mean, we yeah. are. Yeah. And and again, we should tell people that you and I are in Massachusetts. We're in the middle of a blizzard. Yes, that's pretty, but that's about it, as we said. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for today, because two days from now is really going to be ugly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, although, you know, the last couple of winters, you can't complain too much. So not much. Yeah. No. And we, you have comments. Uh, Donnie James says, Ruth, you look amazing. Oh, thank you. And I uh, wants to also know, can you bring it back your iconic red hair? Circa oh, 85? my God. I love the red hair. I got some red hair in there in my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've seen you in red hair since like Dare Me or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a while. Every now and then I get the nerve to, you know, put it on my head because that's exactly <laughs> where it's going. <laughs> um, you know, um, I, we we have talked about the pointers a lot here, and you represent so many things for so many people. You're a soundtrack to eras and our lives, and really multi generations. And when I and Ironically enough, the group is now multi-generational. It is. It is. And it all stems from you. Oh. How funny is that? I know. It's kind of awesome and, and unbelievable, you know. Um, sometimes when I'm on stage with my daughter, Issa, and my granddaughter, Sadako, and it just hits me that, you know, this is three generations up here, and they're my offspring, and I, I'm, I'm like in awe of it all and how... Fortunate and blessed I am, really. You know, but we are earlier this year, we lost your sister, Bonnie, which I know was just an unbelievable situation because, you know, you can lose a sister and you can know a sister has trouble. But when it actually happens, I don't know how you even deal with it. It had to have been a very rough year for you. Yeah, it's something I still deal with because... Like you said, this this has been a rough year for a lot of people, for all of us, actually, with this pandemic going on and you can't be near anybody that you love. And I, that happened, you know, uh, on this pandemic watch when I lost my sister. I couldn't fly to Los Angeles. And, couldn't even go out there, yep. You know, and, and be there with my other sister, Anita, and my brothers. And, and I think there was some kind of um, virtual memorial thing being that was held but i i didn't feel comfortable even being a part of it i was i was having dreams about her and mm. and um i still do sometimes you know and well, i would Anita expect I, you'd have talk, to talk we even mimic the way she says goodbye she always said love you bye 
<laughs> and so Anita and I still do that when we get ready to hang up after having a conversation together. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Uh, I want to show people a clip because you did, uh, again, you never can plan things, but you actually got the opportunity to perform with Bonnie one last time. The last time that you performed as the Pointer Sisters, I think, certainly the three of you together, was at the Hollywood Museum, which I was there with you, which I have to tell people. So Ruth is walking down the street to go in, in this purple fuchsia outfit. She was stunning. And it's early, like what, 11 a.m. or something. You had just flown in overnight after having had surgery just a week earlier. So you could have been in a little bit of pain. And I just looked at you and said, do you ever age? You look so... <laughs> and I said, you've made a deal with the devil. And you said, no, I haven't. So... <laughs> But oh my uh God, it's a lot of makeup and exercise. No, it was so food. look, I have stood right next to you. It is not a lot of makeup. It's really good jeans, good bones. I can't well, say yeah, it was true. clean. I can't say it was clean living, but I can't not, say <laughs> not not for a long time. Uh but let me show this little clip of the three of you performing because I think it's a really great moment. And again, how great that you flew across country and actually had this moment that you can look back on and say, I performed with my sisters That's again. That's so true, yeah. Um, so let's show the clip. Here we go. Oh, boy, I want to love you, feel you, wrap myself around you, want to squeeze you, please you. Now I just can't get enough. And if you go real slow, I'll let it go. I see you in the background singing and swaying. I mean, that when you look back at that, is that really a special moment for you that it, it is. is for the fans? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Because it had been a long time since the three of us sang together. And I mean, I, I enjoy singing with my sister and my grand, I mean, my daughter and my granddaughter, but they ain't my sisters, honey. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, ain't nothing like Bonnie, June, and Anita and Ruth singing together. No, because that... we grew up together and we all knew where the other was going to go vocally. We didn't have to even think about it. It was second nature. It's funny. I asked you that night. Um, I had seen the three you performed together um, at, when your son put it together, when Malik put it together at Cantor's. 
And there was a moment where you and Anita swapped. She took over the lead of going down slowly and you went into, and you said, go. And she sang the lead and you went back. And I said, how do you do it? You said, we don't have training in this. We just fall into our parts. Yeah, yeah. That was something that we automatically did because we grew up doing it, you know, and it just, it, it was so easy for us to do that. As a matter of fact, when I, when we had to train my daughter, Issa, I didn't realize how easily we did it <laughs> until we started having to train Issa to step in for June. And it was so hard. I was like, oh my God, we have to really show you the, the part that June is singing and, and go over it with the piano player and all of that. And it was like, wow, because we never had to do that before. And what's funny is that you guys had actually filled in sometimes for June. You'd had to fill in the lines if she wasn't there during oh, the end. And so you knew everyone's parts without even thinking about it, just instinctively. We all did. They knew my parts. I knew their parts. <laughs> Whenever somebody was dropping out on stage, it was automatically filled in. <laughs> and, you know, I think what people should know is that, you know, I don't want to take anything away from any singers. Being a lead singer is so much easier because you've got the melody to do harmonies or do syncopated parts. That's that is nine hundred times harder, and to go back and forth into it is a very special skill. It is. It really is, and I didn't realize that either until we were singing professionally, you know, and we had to sing with other people, mm -hmm. and uh, we needed them to sing a certain part. And sometimes they couldn't, they couldn't hear it. I remember once we were trying to sing a function at the junction with Dinah Shore. <laughs> and she could not understand. There's a strange syncopation in that song. Mm -hmm. that goes against the actual rhythm. And she couldn't, she couldn't relate or, or understand it. And finally, she just gave up. She said, you guys are singing. Because I don't know what they're doing with this song. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. People can look. There's so many clips online and so many of them put up by Paul. Thank you, Paul. Um, but uh, there's a clip of you and Anita on with Vicki Lawrence. June was supposed to be there and couldn't. And Vicki actually came in and not only sang lead, sang backups. And I'm like... Wow, I didn't know she had, I knew she was a singer, but I didn't know she'd have the skill to just become a pointer over. Oh, yeah. We go back, we go way back with Vicky anyway. And so she knew us almost well enough to be an adopted sister. <laughs> you know, so she knew, she knew at that time. We had been long friends after working with her and Carol Burnett. And it, it wasn't that much of a stretch for her. Well, we talked when we had Anita here, we had Bob Mackey on the show and we talked about your background with the Carol Burnett show. And I found this, this sketch, which is just so fabulous. Oh, wow. Oh. And um, Bob had, or Anita had said that Bob actually made you guys a lot of clothes for your stage show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carol Burnett was so generous, her and Bob. Really? And, uh, you know, when we first started, when we were thrown into these television shows so quickly, we really didn't have an extensive, glamorous wardrobe. I mean, we were wearing vintage clothes. They were real vintage. They smelled vintage. <laughs> and that was really what we were wearing. And we didn't have, like, sparkly things and sequin things. And, 
you know, things that were really made for cameras and stuff like that. We didn't think mm -hmm. anyway. And uh, when we would do a Carol Burnett show um, or when we did Flip Wilson shows and things like that, they allowed us to keep the wardrobe that we wore. And Which I is rare. That doesn't happen. I'm forever all grateful, you know. Yeah. Really. But how much of it did you also participate in? Because you ladies had your own style. Now, some of it was born on necessity. Like you said, you didn't have the money. But mm -hmm. it still always seemed personal. Like there was a, I remember Joan Rivers saying to you once on the show, she said, who decide this outfit? Because this looks like three different decisions. It was. And, <laughs> and, it, all, and it worked. That was another thing, just like our singing, our style was uh, very versatile, but also had a certain blend to it. Mm. And we didn't like to try to tell each other what to wear. And sometimes we missed. <laughs> and sometimes it worked. And, uh, you know, it, it just evolved more and more. The more we were together, the more that blend sort of came together. And mm -hmm. But we always loved Bench's clothes, always did. And just such eclectic stuff. It was yeah, never really everything. Yeah. Very rarely was it the matchy matchy dresses. It was no, always they we had that mm -mm. we didn't want to be that, you know? Yeah. I think I read someplace a million years ago that you said you got your your sophistication and style from like the Supremes and the harmonies from like the Andrew sisters. Like you took things from all the greats that came before you. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. We loved all of those images and and all of those role models. And we tried to pluck whatever we could without it being too obvious, you know, of, mm -hmm. of their professionalism and, and their skill. Yeah, we wanted to be good. Well, and you certainly were. And how did you decide who would sing lead on a song? Because eventually, <laughs> well, I would hope so. Because eventually it did sort of become, oh, this is more of a countryish song. Anita might do that. This is more rockish. June might do it. Although you did your share of rocking. Let me just tell you that. I think you just hit it on the, on the head. I mean, uh, that's kind of the, what we would do. Um, like I said earlier, we kind of knew each other's strengths and uh, we always knew that Anita had that little country side and, and June had that rock and roll side and and I had that sort of, uh, I don't know, lower key rock, bluesy, spiritual, um, you know, uh, gospel thing in me and uh we, we sensed that about each other's style. Bonnie had a very blues, smoky. I used to love to hear her sing Black Coffee oh, yeah. as a solo on stage. And, you know, we all had these, these little strengths. And we knew what each other had. And we definitely uh, supported that in each other and pushed it. You know, there's a story you tell in, in your book, which, by the way, people should get. It's a great book called Still So Excited, My Thank Life as a Pointer Sister. It is so great. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I don't want to say it's dishy because that sounds so, like, tacky. But there's a lot of dish in there. Yeah. And it's usually, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is it's usually dish about you. Well, it's supposed to be about me. Yeah, know. but like you have, you are, you have no fear in just putting it all out there. Like I did this, I own it. Oh, I what did can it. I tell you? 
<laughs> oh, I did it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get me and my girlfriends talk about this. I have an I have an amazing group of girlfriends from different uh, backgrounds and 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 different professions, and um, we're all sort of in the same age pool um, of wisdom and and, and life, and um, you know, they inspire me. And we sometimes talk about how, you know, you get to a certain age and we, me and a girlfriend of mine the other day were even saying, we were, we were talking about something that Dionne Warwick had did <clears throat> recently where she's yes. sort of coming out on Twitter and she's saying exactly what you want to say. And I'm like, yep, that's my girl. <laughs> and my girlfriend said, yeah, well, you know, you get to a certain age and you feel like, you just say whatever the hell you want to say, <laughs> you know? And I was like, yeah, you do kind of feel that way, you know? And I, th I think it does come down to that. You get to a certain point, and especially if you've lived through some stuff, mm. you know, and that's the way I was feeling. I felt like, wow. I mean, I had been through some illnesses. I'd been through drug addiction and uh, domestic abuse and and all that stuff. And, and, and my children, I got five children, and I'm like, whoo, this is a lot of stuff to go through, you know, and, and singing and being on the road and being a single parent and trying to balance it all. And and I felt compelled to just um, put it out there and say, you know, I survived. I and survived. I think if you're going to write a book, if you're going to write a book, write a book. You know what I mean? Like if Duh. you're not going to if you're not going to tell the truth, write a press release. You know, yeah. I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I would also think that being with your sisters has to be a double-edged sword because on one side, your family, you can say and do anything. On the other hand, you can have a problem, but at the end of the day, you're still family. You still got to deal with each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've gone through some of that and, and I'm still going through some of that, you know, and it's like. You know, I, I'm watching, I love watching uh, the Braxtons on television. Oh, sure. On their reality show. And I can relate to so much. Uh, <laughs> ooh. And I'm, we had even at one point been approached to do a reality show. And I was like, nah. Oh, wow. <laughs> but you go through those periods. I mean, like the Braxtons and, and like myself and probably other sibling groups, you started so young, you think you're going to be together. Or people think you're going to be together forever. They see you out somewhere. And the first thing they say to you is, where's your sister? Like you joined at the hip. And yeah. it's like you start to grow up. You have your own separate lives. You know, you marry, you have children, you move away from one another. And you have your own life, you know. Yeah. And it's not simultaneous. You're not doing the things they're doing. You're not thinking the way they're thinking. That's, I think, the key, because I've got two sisters, and we have all lived through the same things. We all have three complete different memories or perspectives on it. And what we've learned with love and with respect is, I don't agree with you, but that's your truth. I exactly. have my truth. Exactly. And I've, I've been learning that, too, even since I wrote my book, you know. I mean, I said some things that I think hurt my sister Anita, and I had to go and apologize to her. 
Well, not only that, but, you know, again, it's interesting you bring up Anita because, and again, we talked about this on the show with her. You both have written books, and it's fascinating to read about the same experience from both of your points of view. It doesn't happen often that you could say, this is what Anita was feeling, but this is what Ruth was feeling. Right, and it doesn't right. have to, A, it doesn't have to be the same, and B, neither one is right. They can both be right. Right, right, exactly. It's just different. You know, Anita said something which was very sad, and I'm curious what you think about it, is that having lost her daughter mm. and June mm. and your mother in such a short period of time, she actually lost her faith. And she yeah. said to me, and she cried on the show. It was it, People, if you haven't seen the show with Anita, it's so moving and it's uncomfortable, but you want to let her express it because it's her story. Yeah. And she said, it's hard for me to have faith in God because why would God do this to me? Yeah. And I thought to myself, you know, that's got to be hard. And yet, Ruth, while you haven't lost a child, you have lost sister, parents, two mm -hmm. sisters now. How do you keep your faith? Or do you? Um, you know, I try. I, 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 I feel like I have a certain amount of faith. And from what I know from my religious teaching, when my, I remember my father teach, uh, preaching sermons about you only need the faith of a mustard seed. And that's probably what I got. <laughs> okay. Um, but that little bit keeps me connected to something bigger than myself. Um, because of my experiences with illness, with addiction, and you know the abuse that I've, I've endured, having come out of that on this side of my life, I mean, I feel like I have a decent life now with my current husband, which is number five, by the way. Five. And, and, and really uh, had the opportunity to raise two children after turning age 47. Uh, my twins mm. are 27 years old. and, the, and Oh my God, I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, and they're doing really well. And I feel like I finally did something better than I did before when I was into my addiction and on the road all the time with the other older three. And your mother was raising some of them, helping you a lot. Them. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just feel like somewhere in the universe, something gave me grace and allowed me to stay alive, you know, in spite of really some life threatening things that, that could have taken me away from here. And that's you know, I didn't realize how hard it was for you because, again, we kind of focused on June. Her problems were much more public. And yet, I mean, you almost died. Child. I mean, you were on the deathbed. Your sisters flew in to say goodbye to you. Yes, they did. I mean, it's shocking. I mean, and we did not know this. Even fans did not know what was going on. The extent of the drug abuse, the domestic abuse. Uh, yeah. it, 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 it's really, reading your book is so eye-opening. I also will say very inspirational because you do look at you having made a, a deal with the devil and looking so fabulous and living well being in a marriage for so long, 30 out, years. Of, out of all of that, 
obviously something somebody can do it. That's the way I felt. And that is the part of me that I feel like is that little mustard seed of faith that I still have. And, um, you know, and I, I pray every day. I mean, wherever those prayers are going, hopefully they're working. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I wake up and open my eyes in the morning, I, I thank God for another day. Whoever and whatever God is, I just thank God for another day. I'm awake. My eyes are open. I'm breathing. I'm getting on my knees right now. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> you know? do you feel the need to really define it or can you just be spiritual? I feel like I can just be spiritual because mm -hmm. I'm really turned off on a lot of the institutionalized religions. Right. Um, I have relatives. Well, in-laws especially that are very very strict catholics and and others you know other types of religions and 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 i see things that are man-made in quote unquote churches and congregations and when i think about you know jesus and his example of of that he set as far as being a teacher and a, and a leader it's far, you know, far away from what I see today. Yeah. And so I just try to keep it in here and keep it personal. I mean, and I'm trying not to judge other people for what they do, but I don't agree with a lot of it. Mm. But if you want them to respect your opinion, you've got to respect theirs. I, I do. Yeah. And I, I definitely do. It's hard these days. Yeah, it is hard. It is hard. Yeah. You know, I, I, when this pandemic started, I remembered in one of the first shows talking about masks and that when you see somebody walking towards you not wearing a mask, in my head, what I'm hearing is, I don't care about you. Exactly. And exactly. so, and then I realized, that. but I'm putting words in their head. They may not be conscious enough to even be thinking that. Exactly. And so, I had forgotten my mask at times. Like, I've been at the market and jumped out of my car for those who are used to doing it. And I'm running into Whole Foods or somewhere. And, <laughs> and I see people looking at me like, you know, and then it, then it clicks. Oh, I forgot my mask. And I run me back too. to the car. Yeah. You know, so it's it has not become like second nature. Yeah, yeah. But now I, I try to wear this little thing that hangs around my neck and has my mask on. Yeah, so, that you, can... you know, so I know to just put it up and... But I was I was laughing yesterday because um, I, there was something on the news where uh, Tom Cruise had went, just had a complete meltdown on his crew, <laughs> and I was like, "Good for you!" you know, yeah, on his dime, damn right he needs to tell him. Yep. Yep. And you know, I, I think that also people in the public eye and in charge, whether you're a star or in charge of an office, you set the example and you lay down you do. the law. Of course. Yeah, of course. You know, and speaking of that, it sounds to me like the Point to Sixers have had an incredible loyal crew that has stuck with them, whether it's writers, whether it's producers, musicians. So obviously you work really well with people and treat people well because they keep coming back. We try to, you know, we love people. I mean, we have an incredible crew, even that I travel with on the road, you know, my stylist, uh, Cecile Parker, and she's worked with everybody, you know, and, and, all kinds of designers and she knows her stuff you know for years and years we met years ago when she was working with natalie cole and oh wow 
And uh, Eve St. Laurent, she was at Maxfield, and that's where she and I really, really met, mm. one of the great stores in Los Angeles. And and my band, you know, uh, Giovanni Collier and Fred Clark and uh, Kevin Floynoy and Steve Sullivan and Stacey Henry and, and my road manager, Will Lee and Winston and Jan and my daughter and my granddaughter. And we have the best time on the road. We're like a family. I mean, we've been in touch during the pandemic. We've been texting each other and, you know, and just saying, hi, how you doing in this mess? <laughs> you know, I want to talk about the music. Uh, I want to go back. We have so many clips of you guys. Um, one of the clips, and you you mentioned it in your book, and it's one of the most bizarre clips. And I remember seeing this on TV. And I'm going to show the clip, and then we'll just talk about it. So okay. let's just show. And, they, and and it is you singing, by the way. Oh. Of course. Of course it is. Hey, yay, yay, okay. And again, <laughs> Point to Sisters did a lot of covers. There are great albums. If you haven't gone back and listened to Priority or Energy or Special right. Things, there are great, great treasures on there. And they've yeah, all been right. re-released. Right. They've been re-released with all these extra clips, which is so great. But anyway, wow. here's a cover. Uh, Ruth Pointer singing a cover. Here we go. It ain't nothing but Yes, it is. Darling, you'll get over. It ain't nothing but a heartache. I know. Notice the harmonies, kids. One of my favorite songs, Ruth Pointer. And again, this was on national television at a place in one of the Carolinas called The Attic. And yes. what, was their, what was their logo, Ruth? Oh, a, a noose. <laughs> no, they could never get away with that today. But are you, thinking, are you thinking to yourself, we're singing in front of a noose? Hey. We had a, our, one of our first shows in San Francisco. We were singing, and one of the band members in back of us was dressed in a Ku Klux Klan outfit. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> and we were like, what the hell? You know, and I think he was trying to make a, a, a comparison the fact that we were dressed in vintage, you know, clothing. Oh. And, and, oh no. Our manager was so mad at him. Yeah, well, I would hope so. Um, so continuing with covers, you've collaborated with some great people. One, one uh, again, this, like every one of these is great. So I'm going to just get tired of saying another one of my favorites. Okay. And by the way, if you're online wanting to hear like the hits, like Jump, So Excited, you're not going to hear those. You're going to hear clips you've probably never heard before. Oh, I love that. All right, so take a look at Ruthie singing again with Clint Black. Ah. Now every chain ah. has got a weak 
And it's a song you still sing today in concert. We still sing it. Yeah. And how did that collaboration come about? Clint asked for us to sing it with him. And that was that Red Hot and Country. Is that what that was? Something it was like that. Some sort of some weird yeah. duets thing. It was a collaboration with other a lot of different uh, artists singing together. Gladys Knight and. Uh, Little Richard, and it was a lot of uh, duets that would you would never imagine that would be singing together. And how great are you guys together? Was that a song you ever aspired to sing? I think so. We've always loved, the, you know, Aretha and whatever she did was fine with us, you know, and all <laughs> of her covers and everything she did. She's one of our idols forever and ever. And so definitely. And my sisters, before I got with the Pointer Sisters later on had been singing it anyway as the three of them. Oh. Yeah, they had been singing Chain of Fools uh, in some clubs uh, back east and, and, and in Oakland. And so it wasn't that much of a stretch. <laughs> well, since you mentioned Little Richard, again, a very strange combination, but it works. Here you go. <laughs> Now, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> Apparently, there's a fourth point to Sister Beck. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Little Richard. Whew. What a gem, you know? Did you interact with him very much over your career? Because I, I always like to think that good people find each other and they will leave notes for each other in dressing rooms and stuff. I think the first time we interacted with Little Richard, we were all on the same flight on our way to London to do a show there in England. Oh. Yeah. And we were on the same flight. And was, I think it was our first encounter with him. And it was, we were just very excited to be with him. You know, that's kind of the way we felt about most of the gems that I call them that we met, you know, Ella Fitzgerald and, um, Nancy Wilson. I have one of my favorite pictures it's in my room somewhere where I see. I think it's over there. I'll show it to you if you want to see it. I want to see. I want to see everything. Are you kidding? This is one of my favorite pictures. <sighs> Let me uh, make you full screen so we can all see you. Okay. Oh, look at you. Ella, Nancy Wilson, Linda Hopkins, and the Pointer Sisters. Fabulous. What a great picture. I know. I love that picture. You ah! know, speaking of things we've got up in the air, in my room right here, I've shown this before. 
there is this Pointer Sisters poster oh, that yeah. was for a hair benefit. And I don't know why I got, but it's just so colorful and beautiful. Wow. And, um, you know, there are things, Paul and I have talked about this, when June was going through tough times and people were stealing for it was horrible and they'd break into storage units and things would show up on eBay. Yeah. And I would buy things. I know Paul bought like photo albums that he got back to you guys. Right. But um, one of the things I have, I have a couple of things, but one of them is for um, a Grammy nomination placard for you guys and and I bought a few things and I said to June I've got these things I want to give them to you and she's like baby you keep them I've got the memories absolutely and um, absolutely. she's like I'm glad that somebody who loves me has them but yeah. they're things you treasure because it was just it was such a hurtful situation because she was surrounded by people and this didn't seem to happen to you even in your book uh, uh, still so excited. You don't, you never seem to have surrounded yourself by leeches and people who were taking advantage of you. I tried not to, you know. Um, I enjoy my own company, for one thing. <laughs> I really do. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine the other night about it, you know, because she was talking about how isolating being in this pandemic is. And I said to her, I said, you know, I think I might have a little bit of an advantage because the road can be very lonely. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. People don't understand. You know, they think we're out there partying every day and every night, but that's not the case at all. And I learned that very quickly in my travels in the early 70s. You know, you go to, we, you know, we would go to these places that we'd never been to before. And some of them are really out in the boonies and obscure and away from anything that you might want to do socially. Mm -hmm. And all you got is that television in your room. Right. You know, and maybe a book. I got to the point where I read a lot, but uh, I had to adjust and, and, and learn to really enjoy my own company. And, and I sort of do the same thing at home. You know, mm -hmm. I'm in my room and, you know, my husband's here in the house, but we don't have to interact every second of the day in each other's faces. You know, mm -hmm. that's fine with me. Yeah, I think Cheryl Lee Ralph told me a couple weeks ago, she said this is the longest she had spent in one place with her husband. And she's like, but thank God it's a big house. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, you need your yeah, you time. The longest my husband and I have been together in one place. But, you know, we have a big house and I go downstairs and we say hello to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, how you doing today? I'm good. And I will say, though, it's also the longest that I haven't seen close friends. And it's so great that you can do things like this and stay in touch. And we're living through a time where technology has these advantages. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Really. Um, I, I have most of my friends are in Los Angeles. Sure. I had one really dear, precious friend here that I had had ever since I moved here, you know, over 25 years ago. And she passed away this year. And I, oh, God, oh. I miss her so much because she was a native New Englander. Mm -hmm. She was a, a um, ex Boston police officer, and her husband wow. was a Boston police lieutenant. Wow! And, and she just showed me around and knew her way around Boston and all through Dorchester and everywhere and Wellesley. And she, when we would get in the car, we would stay in the car all day because she would just take me everywhere. And she knew her way around, and 
because she was an ex-police officer and her husband was a lieutenant, she had this little pamphlet that she could sit up on my dashboard in my car and we could park anywhere or double park anywhere. She said, I'll just get out. I'll put this thing up on the dashboard and we, we'll be fine. <laughs> but I lost her this year and, and uh. I miss her a lot. And my other friends are all on the West Coast, which I would fly out periodically to hang out with them, including my family. Right. But I haven't been able to do that lately. Where is most of the family that's left? Are they in the Los Angeles area or are they still up in in Northern California? Um, Northern. Well, I have my son, my my oldest son, my oldest daughter, are both in Los Angeles. Right. Yep. And uh, my daughter that sings with me is in Las Vegas. And mm-hmm. my brothers are in Northern. Well, Fritz is in Northern California. My oldest brother is in Tacoma, Washington. Carl? Carl? Aaron. Aaron. Okay. Well, speaking of Issa, uh, Issa is, uh, she may be in Las Vegas, but she's here. Hey, hey mommy. Hey, Booba, Booba. <laughs> I miss you so much. Oh, I miss you too, honey, boo. And I okay. think we should point out that she is rock and roll royalty. Oh, yes, she yes, is the honey. spawn of a pointer and a temptation. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so hopefully was... you will be hearing from me soon. Yeah, your mom told me that you are recording now, right? I am. Um, I'm getting ready to record an album. I'm getting ready to write a book. Really? Um, yes, I've signed on to be an ambassador for Autism Speaks. Oh, great. Uh, because my 11-year-old son, Balin, is autistic. Oh, I and, didn't know that. Um, yes, he's high-functioning autistic, and he's amazing. And, um, you know, I just I just want to learn and know as much as I can about it, because I always consider it to be his his superpower. Yeah. Right. Um, They know things that we do not know. Oh, he's he's, he is brilliant. Like, he's just such he's the best boy. So I definitely wanted to um, offer my, you know, insight and assistance into that organization. So, you know, some exciting things coming up. Def- the pandemic definitely slowed stuff down, but I'm still working and we are still, you know, progressing towards this new project that I'm doing myself. So I'm excited. But I miss you, mommy. I haven't I- seen you in so long. <laughs> How long has it been? When was the Since last February? time? February? November? No, February. February was our last yeah. gig? Yeah, February wow. 28th was the last gig. Wow. Oh. Well, well, speaking of which, I will point out that Issa and uh, and her niece, Sadako, are members yeah. of the Pointers. And now I, I don't like calling you the Pointer Sisters. It's just the Pointers at this point. Um, and I just want to show a little clip of you guys performing now. So take okay. a look, guys. Keeping the legacy uh, alive. Keep it alive. Uh, Keep up you know what? We have the greatest job on earth, and I really can't wait to get back to doing it. 
You also bring people so much joy. And, you know, while you guys look like, I mean, I hate to use a term, but having a party up on stage, you look like you're having a party. And I think that's, you hear the point to sister singer, you see the point to you can't help but smile. It's infectious. Like I said, greatest job on earth. Yeah. We, what we, honestly, I miss it so much. I, you know, it, I just too. being on stage, performing for other people, knowing that people are there to support you and you're there to make them happy, especially with all the ugly going on in the world. We need it. Right. We need it. We're going to need a lot of it when this is finally settled down to a point where we can perform again. Absolutely. Did you want to be a singer or did you have any choice? I think that's all I've ever wanted to do. Really? I can't think of anything else that I've ever wanted to do. And and I'm good at it. Yeah, you are very I'm good at good it. I'm good at it. She is. So, you know, I but I, I, I really enjoy it too. You know, I, I love that you can speak to people through music when maybe you can't say what you want to say to them. You can play a song. And that tells them exactly the way you want to feel. It's it's just the most beautiful thing ever. And it's for everyone. We don't pick sides. You know, we, no. we perform for anyone. And I think that that's a beautiful thing because it unites people. Oh, what she used to get dressed up and do little private shows for me and Anita and we'd cry. <laughs> Make up her own choreography and just go flying through the house with her flailing her arms and singing and oh my god yeah i tried wait i tried to join in on my son's music class the other day they yeah. were dancing and he pushed me out the room and closed <laughs> the door okay <laughs> he said no you cannot dance with me i was like i'm officially old <laughs> oh my god and, and to a pointer and an edwards for god's sake I thought, don't you know this is how we eat? Like, <laughs> don't you be upstage in the stuff? Exactly. exactly. That's that's him. Yeah. He is we're definitely the, the star. Exactly. Uh -huh. When you when you were growing up and you were seeing your mom and your aunt singing together, was there like, uh, did you aspire to be one of them, or did you have your own path in terms of Absolutely. music? Absolutely no. Listen, they would be on stage at Caesar's Palace and I was backstage putting all their makeup on and getting ready <laughs> like I was going to do the show. Oh, she, we come off stage and I was ready. Made up. We and, made her a costume for one show in Tahoe. And you know, it's funny because <laughs> I, I, I am completely scatterbrained in my regular life, but on stage, I know, I feel like I'm very confident. I know what to do. I don't have, you know, I don't get nervous. The bigger the crowd, the better. I, it's just, it's home for me. You know, Ruth, you mentioned something about that in the book, that when it came time for her first show, the first full show, you were a nervous wreck backstage, and then you're looking over and like, damn, she's doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were in Antwerp. Oh. Mm -hmm. And that's it a was, big stage. It was oh, the biggest stage I'd ever people. seen in my life. Yeah. Wow. And I was and they didn't to tell me how big it was going to be. And finally, I said, come on, let's walk out here. Let me show you this room. And she was like, oh, my God, Mom. I said, mm-hmm. 
Welcome to the pointers. It's big, girl. Come on. You can do this. You can't even know the feeling, though, looking at it. And then once the audience is there, is two completely different things. It is a completely different feeling. But it's amazing. I don't remember ever being nervous, just excited and exhilarated. We would be, like, bouncing back and forth just to get up there. Come on. Come on. Come on. It was amazing. What is the biggest difference uh, between having watched them perform and now being there? Was there something that you didn't expect that took you by surprise? Um, yeah, I had to learn all the parts. Um, like you said, <laughs> I mean, like you said, when you're singing along to stuff, you're singing the lead, so you have the melody, right? Yeah. And um, you know, when she was mentioning they had to teach me the parts, they didn't know what to say, tell me, and and I, you know, I'm not like trained musically so we couldn't just sit down and write down notes and read that we had to physically do this and um it was hard it was hard and i have i have uh i've grown over the years because i did not accept constructive criticism very well when i first started (laughs) (laughs) but you know there's something to be said about that because it's like Anyone else can criticize you, but when your family does it, you can feel in some type of way. It, it know, takes so a whole different dimension. Yeah, you know, there were definitely things that, again, like you mentioned before, when it's family, it just it's just a little different dynamic when it's family. Because when the show is over, you still got to go home. I still got to go home, and that's still my mama. You know, so, you know, but you learn, and you evolve, and you grow over the years, especially if you love it. Because this oh, business is not for the week. No, it is not. And, you know, it's funny. You've stepped into the shoes of your aunt, who I know was also one of your favorite people. And also Absolutely. really a huge crowd favorite. I mean, everyone has their favorites. But, like, June was everyone's baby sister. Oh, God. And that that has to be pressure on you, too, because you can't just be a singer. You can't just be yourself. It's definitely a lot of pressure, um, you know, because I don't I don't even want to say that I stepped into anyone's shoes. I think I stepped next to her shoes, perhaps. Right. I think right. You know, right. Nobody could ever replace her. No. I wouldn't even try. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I brought my own little something, you know, into the group. And I, you know, I hope that people have perceived it well. But that's another big reason I want to do. I'm doing my own project. Because um, people don't know that I, you know, I come from two legends, yeah. for one. And, um, you know, but I'm also a, a really amazing singer and an amazing person in my own right. And, and performer. You have really, a, you have a great presence on stage. And, and, you know, when you first started, I remember thinking, oh, you know, I missed you. Because you've got to miss June. Of course. But then, I miss but then, you, trust yeah, me. I well, miss <laughs> But then I saw you and I realized, oh, look, she's bringing her own sassiness because you're very sassy. That's always what I try to do. Anyone who's ever had the pleasure of meeting me knows I'm extremely unique. Oh, yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm not very forgettable. And I think that I brought a little bit of my own something into the group that, you know, people have appreciated. Oh, it may definitely. be a, it may be a little crazy sometimes. That's okay. Maybe we a like little that. off, you know. But we but we're all we all have that ability. All of us, just in our family, we have this dynamic ability to just 
sort of shine outshine anything that's around us. And I think that that's, you know, why we've been so successful in, in anything we do. Ruth, it's going to be different for you to sort of look next to you and see your sister on one side when Anita was still singing and your daughter on the other side. Were you were you able to not be her mother on stage and be her colleague? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's my child. So I, I think I hopefully cleverly blended the two together. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> you know, no matter what, I, I don't think I'm, I find it difficult to just take away the fact that, that she's my child. You know, I right. can't really just dismiss that. I think but that it's we're different. all extremely professional on stage. Oh, yeah, I think we're yeah. as professional as we can be. And, and the same goes for my granddaughter because she's younger even, you know, than Issa. And they do things on stage that I used to do. Mm-hmm. And they do things and they say things, you know, <laughs> as young people that are just hilarious to me. And they do things that are so funny and so cute <laughs> that it just it, it brings me joy. You know, it's interesting that Ruth brought that up because Issa, now you've got a generation younger than you in the group. I so, know. So do you look at her as, oh, that's my little niece? Or do you think to yourself, oh, that's my singing partner? Um, no, we, Sadako and I are only six years apart. So oh, really? We're, All right. Yeah, we're only six years apart. So we're more like sisters, I think, or, mm-hmm. you know, but what's funny about me and Sadako is we are complete and total opposites. Really? If she says up, I say down. If she says left, I say right. But we've sort of, we like know that about each other and we're kind right. of like yin and yang. And it just seems to work, you know? I, I love working with her. I don't really consider her like a niece type, but more mm-hmm. like a li- more like a younger sister. Yeah. You know, because she's, she's amazing. She's and an pe- amazing person. People are asking, they say, is she doing well recording as well? She, she was going to be here. She's on the road, actually. Yeah, with her boo, with her boo. Okay, see, I don't know. I haven't talked to her in a couple weeks. Oh, sorry, I have. And but, she's she, <laughs> and she said, oh, I'm on the road. I'm sorry. But okay, now Issa, somebody says, sing Christmas in New York. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> remember the video? I yeah. do remember oh the video. Oh, my God. That yeah, I just watched it recently. Situation because that was really a great song. And it was, yeah. it was. a great time. But it was. It just didn't get off the ground because of the, the political crap that was going on with the record company and stuff, you know? We, ugh. Well, that's been a problem throughout the Pointer Sisters' career <laughs> yep. is that record labels have mismanaged the group many times. Many times. Yep. Many, many. Yeah, yeah. But that's okay because we still, we still here. You know, you did something that was fascinating, which was you basic, and I think you were the first artist to do this. You went back in and decided you were going to re-record your own material on your own label and control your, and with basically the same arrangements and many of the same musicians. Right. Right. And it's a great album. We weren't getting paid. And so my husband, Michael, actually arranged that whole situation and uh 
And they sound great. Like sometimes people do these and they sound really karaoke-ish or crappy. This is a classy, <laughs> fabulous recording. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I've, yeah. Been, I've been hearing I'm so excited everywhere. Yeah, me too. It's in all kinds of sitcoms. I watch a lot of TV. Yeah. And it is in everything. I've heard it all over the place, like in current shows right now. So, you know, maybe maybe people are looking us up again. Well, again, I think they're also, that's what I said about going to the show, You Smile, because the collection of songs, first off, there's millions of hits, millions of songs that should have been hits. You will never run out of material. Well, and they're timeless. And we should re-record some of that stuff. You I'm probably should. That. And you'll never, it sounds like you'll never run, and you'll never run out of pointers, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. I got some new ones. Yeah, yeah I there's know a lot of them. Oh, we yeah, got a no, couple Ruth, new ones that just came. Fresh oh, off the market. And did we mention Ruth is pregnant with twins again? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> She's done. The factory is so closed. <laughs> Issa, do you want to continue? Do you want to, Issa, do you want to continue the group? Say you're, you again, your aunt, one aunt we've lost, one has retired from touring. Say your mother decides, you know, I'm done with this. Do you want to continue the legacy of the group or do you want to do your own thing or both? I'd like to do both. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I think, I think the Pointer Sisters should continue because um, especially now in a time where we have a, Black female vice president. Hello. Yay, from Oakland. Yeah, I think right. That, you know, I think that black female groups and just black females in, in general, like we need to take our stand. And the Pointer Sisters have definitely been instrumental in that um, because, again, like my mom was saying, they're so eclectic. They weren't put into one category. I, I, I'd love to see it continue. I really would. And I'd also love to see myself do my own stuff and then you know bring it all full circle it's important for everybody to know that there's all different types of black people yep we all, we're not all just one type where we don't all just fit into one stereotype and i think that's another reason i'm writing a book because um you know people need to know that we've all, we were all raised in different situations and mm -hmm. um um it, it it's not about race it's about it's about how you were raised, the people that love you. It shouldn't be about color. But I think that it is important for little black girls to be looking around and seeing other things that that they can recognize in themselves and maybe think, oh, I could do that. Yeah, I think that, you know, your mom, I, I've seen on many interviews where she talks about the fact that people come up to her and thank her for writing her story because it almost validates their story. Yeah, I really hope I get the same response. That's why response. I wrote it. Yeah. I'm really hoping I get the same response too because, yeah. you know, people learn from other people, you know, whether it's a good or bad lesson, they definitely can see themselves in other people and it may help them make a better choice. Yeah. yeah and I, mean, I think I really the fact... To make a, a conscious decision to make some changes. You know, really? like, that's something that's very hard for a lot of people to do is change. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I, I consciously stopped doing certain things that I was doing before, started doing new things. And is there anything you missed life. that you were doing before? What? Is there anything you missed that you were doing before? 
sometimes I miss drinking. Yeah, I would bet. Every now and then I'm like, damn, I wish I could have a margarita. But I know <laughs> where it'll take me, so I'm like, nah, I'll stick with seltzer water and a little lime. Because they don't want to see me be really crazy. <laughs> you know, Issa, you, you were, we talked about it before that, you know, your younger siblings were really raised by a hands-on mom, whereas you had a completely different upbringing. I did. Did, did, you <laughs> did you have any resentment that she wasn't there or did you resent the fact she was there for your younger siblings? Both. Okay, good. And I love that you're so honest. honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Both. You know, absolutely both. Um, sure. you know, for several reasons, you know, you want your you want your parent there. You want your mother. And like my dad was already not there. So, right. you know, and then yes, I've definitely seen her cuz she's a completely different mother to them yeah, than she would... is to me, but they also are 15 years younger than me. She's and a completely it's a different, different world. person yeah. having them than she was having me at 31. You know, and also I have to say, since I've become a mother myself, um, I really understand a lot more. You know, we really do the best we can. We don't, we don't, we never think we have it right. Right. You know, um, and all we have to do is just be grateful that they're breathing. They mm -hmm. ain't in jail or at yeah. the hospital. Exactly. <laughs> because you know I mean, I'm really, it's... Too, as, even as I got older and and, and talking to, to even my sisters, uh, even though we had parents that were there most of our childhood or all of our childhood, me and my brothers and my sisters did, we still had a different mother than the other one had. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, my sister, uh, you know, tells me. Even to this day, sometimes the things that my mother would do for me that she didn't do for her. And, of course. you know, we all had different experiences with our mother that was there all the time. Yeah, that's inevitable. I think if you have multiple children at all, because you're dealing with different personalities that and especially exactly over right. a long period of time. Yes, over yeah. a long period of time. And in my situation, I'm kind of like an only child because the two older ones are so much older and the two younger ones are so much younger. Right. You know, so I, I I don't I can't blame or discredit because she was different people at these different times. I was a different person last year than I am now. Right. You know, so at some point you you just have to be like, you know what, she just she does the best she can. And listen, my mom is fierce. I wouldn't right. want another mother. I have the best mother that I could possibly have. But how great that you're able to get to that point. And I, you know, did you have to sit down and sort of work on that relationship or did you come to Absolutely. that realization on your own? Oh, good. It's so you can just talk to her. It's a constant working relationship. Because listen, we work together too. So sometimes yeah. it's like a woman against a woman. Yeah. And other times it's a mother and a daughter. You know, like, listen, we're people. We have personalities and we're going to have arguments. And I, she doesn't always agree with me. I don't always agree with her. But I always respect her, and I always love her. Hallelujah! <laughs> what, what was the What was the one lesson you took from your mother that you now do with your own child? Child, let him be himself. Really? Yeah, let him be himself. Um, even if it means he may not do it right. Yeah. Um, uh, like I said, my son is autistic, so right now, like he wants to cook. 
So the other day he went down, he came, actually he came walking up the stairs with a plate of scrambled eggs. And I thought, oh no, he's been cooking. But I didn't say anything because I went down and checked. There was no fire. He wasn't hurt. <laughs> That's know, a good place to study. So no fire. Like, okay, so, you know, all of that. I, and, and before I'd go down and I'd be mad, like, you know, you're not supposed to do this. But this time I said, okay, I'm going to just give him a little room. And I get that from her because she's really yeah. given me, uh, she's given me a lot of room, you know, really? and it, always, it always, it hasn't always been good, you know, but I appreciate the fact that she's like, okay, you know what? You need to figure this out on your own because no matter how much you tell a person, they're going to yeah. do it their own way anyway. Ruth, what is the best thing about Issa as a mother? I think the the love that she shows my grandson, she's an amazing mother. And I've told her that over and over again. You know, she's <clears throat> she's just she's just amazing to me. The way she loves him, the way she accepts him, you know, and, and he is his own person, trust me. And I just I love the reports that she gives me about how he's evolving and talking more and shoving her out of his room. And I told her, I said, Girl, you don't <laughs> You don't want to go in that room right now, so just let him be in that room by himself. <laughs> yeah, we're we're like at the puberty stage. And it's, yeah, it's, stay it's, out. Stay yeah, it's out. bad enough that he wasn't autistic, now. but with him being autistic, it's even a little oh man. Yeah, but, but we're, we're doing okay. I'm so 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 proud of her. For Thank the you. Mother that she is becoming, and and the mother that she is, and also for the way she has stepped up. And and held me in in my profession, you know. I, I can't Thank think of you. anybody else I would have wanted to do that other than her. Yeah, it's interesting when when June left the group initially. The idea was Issa, you were going to join, and Jada was going to be there halftime as well. Yeah, and we're so. And that, and obviously that didn't work out because Jada passed, but that would have been an easy way to sort of ease into it. And instead it was like, okay, it's you, you're in. Yeah, yeah. they just threw me. They just like threw me to the wall. <laughs> yeah, she was thrown into that, honey. We, I wasn't sure how it was going to work. You know? Yeah. We were, just, we were up there flying by the seat of our pants and just going for it. Yeah, nobody well, I was think really sure. You know, there's, you know, you, it's funny how it's come full circle because when Bonnie left the group, you had to sit and actually think, do we want to continue and reinvent ourselves or do we say this was fun next? Right. And you, you went through the same thing when June had to leave was what do we do? How do we keep this going? Do we want to keep this going? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been difficult. It's been difficult. And I have to say, um, it takes courage, yeah. you know, and, and again, faith, you know, and I have to say, too, that our fans and our audiences have held us up, you know. They really have. And they thank really you, have. I mean, there were times when I, I was on stage with when the group was going through all these different changes and mm -hmm. wondering how the audience was going to react to it. And they would always bless us with their applause. I mean, and really, as, as someone coming into this iconic, legendary group, thank you to the fans for accepting Sadako and I, oh, as well as God, you have. Yes. Like, really, yeah. thank you, because you didn't have to, you know, no. and, and we really appreciate all the support that you've given us. I've made friends, like good friends uh, out of fans that have just, yeah. you know, sent me a message saying, 
you know, wow, you were so amazing. And and I'm, I'm like, I have good friends out of this. So I appreciate you guys so much. And it's been oh, how many wow. years, Issa, since you joined? 20 years this year. All right. So, you know, it's not it's not like we're still trying her out. She's proving <laughs> herself. So everyone yes, just calm can, down. Can I, can I just point out, I'm the yeah. only one that's had to sing everybody's lead. <laughs> I've well, had to do mom's lead, Anita's yeah. lead, and June's lead. Yeah. Although your mom has really done at least two people's. She's done a lot of different leads, too. She's well, bounced around. Well, where you think around. I get it from? Oh. Well, all right. I do love that, you know, you've really sort of shuffled things around. Like, okay, let's have her try this. Oh, no, I'll try this. Maybe Sadako will try it. Like, you really do play off it well. And again... It could all have been a disaster, and it, it hasn't. Have, and, exactly. you know, by I the mean, grace of God. There were times when I was getting ready to go on stage, you know, and I mean, like, got knee replacement, bunion replacement, all kinds of <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, Issa, I don't know about tonight. You got me? I got you, Mom. I got you. Don't worry about it. I got you. Yeah, I've, I've sort of found a, a pretty comfortable spot, I think, in the group now. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable with my position. You don't I feel like you have to prove yourself? No, not anymore. Not Good. you know, not not really. Um, I just really go out there and try to show the audience, you know, my own uniqueness now. Like but right. I have I have more confidence on stage than I have anywhere else in my life. Yeah. You know, well that's there's a gift that your mom and your aunt have given you, is that so. absolutely. You know, uh, Issa, I want to thank you for joining us. I have to go back thank to you. wrap up, but thank you so much. You are Thanks a joy. For me. I love you so much, mommy. I will talk I to you soon. I love you too, sweetheart. Give Bye, sweetie. I will. Bye, everyone. Bye, honey. Oh, she's such a delight. And, you know, I, I have I have met her and I've spent time with her backstage. She's exactly what you see there. You know, yeah. she's, again, what you see is what you get, which is what all the Pointer sisters have always been. That's true. You know, um, okay, we got to start wrapping, but we've got some, we got more clips, I guess. All right. One of the most memorable moments that I think you've had in your career, you sang at Washington, D.C. on July 4th in the middle of a rainstorm. Child, I mean, it was raining too, honey. And it started out like cute. And then it got not so cute. You're so right. let's right. let's take a look at this. Take a look. And of course, it happens to be while Ruth is singing lead. But oh. notice, notice, Jew. You know, again, what people love about you. She's so funny. So just watch this clip. I don't wanna take it in for me, the girl. I'll just stay and lock behind the door. That's a good idea. Just no time to stop and get away. Thank you. <laughs> Cause I work so hard to make it every day. Yes, we do. <laughs> Pouring, pouring, pouring rain. Oh my god! 
And before the umbrellas, you're like, we're still here. We're not going anywhere. What were you thinking? Were you thinking, okay, I guess we're singing in the rain? I guess we're singing in the rain. It wasn't the first time. I mean, we sang in the rain many times. Disneyland and, you know, different engagements. It was raining. And it's a telecast, so the show must go on. Gotta go. Gotta go with it. Um, One of the greatest, again, greatest, everything is greatest, but... There was the year of the American Music Awards where you got to do a medley. That is just so spectacular. Um, Anita's costume is in the museum at the Hollywood Museum, but just a little clip from the medley because that was also a huge night for you guys. Right. So, okay, let's just take a look. No way to control it. It's totally automatic. Whenever you're I mean, it's a medley of like eight songs. It's like your whole career. Oh, my God. I think Bill Blue made those costumes. Oh, those costumes were fabulous. Oh, oh when, you and, when you and I were at the Hollywood Museum, there was one costume that you pointed to and said to Anita, I think I'd like that back and want to wear it tonight. And afterwards, you told me it was a dress that Slash's mother had made for you. Right. Ola Hudson. Yeah. 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 And that she did a lot of costumes for designer. you. And that you'd be over there and Slash would be running around like a little kid. Yep. I think he was like seven or six or seven years old, maybe even younger. That was just, and those were great. The other thing I don't think people at home understand, live costumes, they they have to look like beautiful dresses, but they also have to hold up. They've got to be sturdy. Yes. And a lot of times they were very uncomfortable. <laughs> Okay. Well, we suffer for glamour, Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. The life out of you. Oh well, but they you you always look great, all of you. Thank you always you. look great. Um, this is probably this may be one of the biggest events of your career. Um, you got to close the Olympics, and uh, let's show a little clip of that.
It's oh huge. God. It's huge. It's overwhelming. I don't. Can you hear each other? Even it's with hard. monitors. Stadiums like that. It's very difficult to hear. You have to kind of go inside your own head mm. and just trust. You know that you're hearing the right key because it's it's difficult a lot of times, especially in big stadiums like that. And also, that was uh, there were many musicians that came out. And at one point, you just started singing backup for love and understanding. And I'm like, the Pointer Sisters can sing anything, oh. including the national anthem. Now, Paul will be upset. This isn't the official video, but Ruth Pointer proves she is a Bostonian by singing the national anthem at Fenway Park. Red Sox. Red Sox. <laughs> so here's just a little clip of that. Singing a cappella, Ruth Pointer, the national anthem. Was that a moment? It was. It was a moment. And um, I have to, you know, all praise to John and Linda Henry, who own the Red Sox. They've been very generous to me. I've been in their home several times. And uh, it was a moment, you know. Um, I got to meet Big Pappy and yes, you take did. a picture with him and... And it was, yeah, I was, I felt like it was very special and, and the fans really were warm toward me and they enjoyed the way I sang it. They were coming up to me afterwards saying, I'm so glad that you sang it the way you did. Not a lot of frills and you didn't try to change it. And yeah, I love it. You know, how do you feel when you're when you're on stage by yourself, not with your sisters, because Anita's recorded a couple of albums, Ruth recorded a solo album. And you said very wisely that your book was like your solo album. But is there a soloist in there that wants to come out or is that not important to you? You know, I think there is a soloist in there that wanted to come out. And that's when I that's why I wrote my that's why I took the opportunity to write my book. Yeah. Because I had not done a solo album and all my other sisters had. And I thought, mm -hmm. okay, this was an opportunity that came to me. I wasn't really looking for it. You know, uh, I had started a solo project a few years earlier and collected a few songs. But then when the Pointer Sisters album came up, I surrendered my songs for the Pointer Sisters album. Mm. Don't Walk Away was what like my prize song and I, I gave right. it to the group. So it was just something that came up and I remembered, I thought, okay, I may not ever get a chance to do a solo uh, singing album, but this opportunity to do my own book is something I think I should take advantage of. And so that's why I did. Does it feel as personal writing as singing does to you? I think it feels more personal. Really? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think, um, the longer I'm in this business, 
um, and, and starting, you know, you get to a certain age and you start to look back over your life and look back over the things that you've done. And I've always kind of, I, I felt like we were coming along during a time when artists just were not rendered the freedom that they have today. Yeah. They were so controlled by the record companies, you know, and the producers and uh, the different um, boxes that they put people in, you know, black music, uh, pop music, R&B music. And it, it was like now it's, it, it just goes across the board sometimes, you know. Yeah, you mentioned in the book several times that when you first came out as a trio, that your audience really did not want to accept you as rock singers. And you had a great rock band, you had great rock songs, but that's not what your audience would buy. Right, right. Priority was probably predominantly a rock album. Oh, it's such a great album. But uh, people were like, nah, black people don't do that. <laughs> and I think you was know. it Ju was it June? I don't know. Somebody said that when Black and White came out, that it like represented the swirl. That we're not just black, we're not white. It's a little like bit of June. everything. That sounds like June. <laughs> um, but you have gotten. We've got songs. Let's see. One of the songs that you have sung solo songs. People should know. Um, one of my favorite songs was again favorites was Oliver and Company. Streets oh, yeah. of Gold. Let's see. Do we have that here? Is that coming up? Yep. Good song. Very, yeah, a very so Ruth fun. song. A Ruth song. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, oh, uh, what else do we have before we finish up? We got to finish up with you. My God. Uh, what is this? This. Oh, well. One of one of the, a really under under underknown song is happiness. And what I love about your recording is that. Was it June that originally sang yes, Happiness? June. Okay, and now you sing it. And yeah. on the new recording, you sang it. Somebody did something very interesting, which is they blended the two versions together. Oh. And the inflections are so similar and yet so distinct. So I just want to play a little bit of this. I, I don't know if you've ever heard it. So, I don't know uh, if I have either. Uh, well, we'll find out. Here we go.
There's no denying those genes. But again, you both sing it your own way, and yet within the framework of the Pointer Sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How influenced by each other are you? When you have stepped in to sing June's lead, do you hear her version in your ears? I do. Of course I do. I mean, it was so many years. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's because we grew up so tight, you know? Yeah, you said something that I thought was so beautiful. You said that He's So Shy was originally pinpointed for Anita. Then it went to June. And Mm -hmm. then when, when June left the group, Anita got it back. Right. And now who sings it? You know, you, you, you talk over and over in the book about being your sister's biggest fans mm-hmm. that sometimes you just step out of being the group a member and mm-hmm. just are a fan of watching them or listening to them sing oh my god yes are you kidding me oh my god especially anita because she well both of them anita has a, a style about her singing i remember when i was with isa's father that temptation, mm-hmm. Dennis Edwards. And I remember him even saying to me, you know, your sister Anita, she's a stylist. And uh, he said, she got a style that is really, really very unique. And sometimes Anita would be singing on, on stage and she's so cool all the time. Mm-hmm. Most of the time. She's just <laughs> so cool the way she moves and stuff. And child, she will be singing your ass on fire. And she'll just be so cool. And it just drives me crazy. You know, the way she'll sing, he's so shy or slow hand. Slow know, hand, uh, yeah. Just, or uh, fire. I mean, not yeah. Not to mention, so- I'm so excited. Like, Lord, please. No, and I also think that what's interesting is that, you know, you say this in the book, is that because she had such a commercial sounding voice, you were really overlooked unless it was a perfect song for you. A lot of the leads and a lot of the singles were going to a need up even more than June at the beginning. True. That's true. Yeah. 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 I was I I noticed that uh, later in my observing of the of uh, the music industry, that that's changed a lot. I mean, even so much as like the first time I heard TLC, I was like, whoa, it's not a real high perky voice. You right. know, uh, you can actually have a hit with a with a woman singing that deep tone. I like that. You know. Oh, tell people the story about Michael Jackson. Speaking of your deep tone. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I was, I was actually one of the husbands that I was dating was Michael's uh, bass player, Don Boyette. Mm-hmm. And I was traveling a little bit, and and when Michael was doing his bad tour and went to Paris to see him, and he had me come into his trailer before the show, and he said, "You're the one that got that deep voice, sings automatic, huh?" I said, "Yeah, that's me." And he's like, "I love that voice, girl. I love that song." And it was just meant so much to me because I was such a Michael Jackson fan, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, again, is there anything better than the praise from your peers? Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of which, you got to sing something before anybody else. Uh, Take a listen to this. And 
and those harmonies so tight. Again, so different than Shaka's version, but so pointers. Yeah, yeah. I would Very bet you so. never performed that live anywhere. No, no, no. You know, I remember Gladys Knight talking about um, when they did their version of Heard It Through the Grapevine. And she said that it took them months of doing it on the road to find their way of doing that song their own way. Oh, yeah. And I wonder, did you did you have that experience? Because a lot of the songs would come to you in the studio. You, it was we're really hearing you singing these songs for the first time. You know, that's true with a lot of the songs that we recorded. That uh, that's I think that's one of the things that really went over well with <clears throat> went over well with our live performances as opposed to maybe what people were hearing on our recordings, because when you're live, all bets are off. Yeah, and you grow you into a song. Up there on that stage and you're not restricted. You know, we're in the studio and you got a producer and all that in there sort of guiding you and stopping you and saying, no, sing this this way, or no, you need to do this over. When you're on stage, you're just singing it outright from your gut and from your heart. And it comes out really who you are. And so a lot of our songs changed quite a bit on stage. From the Was there any song that you think to yourself, we finally got to do it our way? Exactly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, one of, you know, the later albums, again, you were bouncing around record labels. Labels didn't really invest in you in terms of promoting you, getting you radio play. But... Uh, there's some great songs on there, and one of the songs was, I think, Serious Slammin'. It's Pride. And again, you get to riff in a way that I don't think anybody today can do. So uh, let me well, just... I haven't uh, heard that one in a long time. All right. Well, you're going to hear a little clip now. You can't, you know, you can't teach that. I mean, do you come up with your own riffs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, one of my, one of my um, talents or one of my gifts, I guess, because sometimes we would finish recording a song and Richard would say, Ruth, go on in there and, and, and put some ad libs on the end. 
just do whatever you feel. And, and people wait for it, like in the ooh, yeahs, or, you yeah, know, yeah, at the yeah. end of So Excited. You can't hear it without hearing that. And these are things that you can't write. You can't tell somebody. It comes right. from, as you said, your soul. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, on that, on the end of So Excited, that oh, yeah. Yeah. It's something that was re erased off of the original recording. And we, when, when Richard played it back for us and we heard that it wasn't there, we said, wait a minute, what happened to the oh yeah? And he was like, whoa, whoa I, took that, I took that off. I'm like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> it's such a part of the song. And you I know, it's funny, everybody waits for it. Yeah. Um, oh, God, people, we got so many comments. First off, love Ruth. She's a riot. Well, she is a riot. I'll tell you that. Uh, I love Ruth singing Friends Advice. You know, that was an interesting album because, you know, it was trying to sort of reposition you in a current market. And I thought that it worked. You know, I think a lot of those records that were later and, you know, um, you know, it's funny. You worked so much with uh, Richard Perry. Yeah, and and then all of a sudden you had different people who worked with the Pointer Sisters the best. Who worked with the Pointer Sisters the best? Yeah, like who was the who got your sound the best in terms of producers? Um, probably Richard did for for what and it, David did so much for you guys too I, earlier. Uh, but I, you know what? I have to be honest and say, I don't think anyone ever really got it. Really? I really don't believe anyone really ever got it. I, mm. I, I always felt like we were kind of stifled into being, you know, molded into to fit in somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, I often wonder what it would have been like or sounded like had they just turned our asses aloof. <laughs> really? So is that we a live performance? It was really the truest pointers. And when we pointers? were live, that was what was. I think that's why a lot of our audiences used to say to us, even they would come backstage and they would say, "Damn, we love you guys live, but your records are not doesn't give us that emotion and that that energy that you have live." And I'm, mm. that's probably why. Well, I think that people, if they if they haven't seen the Paris concert, the Paris concert is really spectacular. Yeah. Because it's really, one. and you know, I really think, you know, for me, Contact is probably the best album. Wow. Because and it, it was, it was almost impossible to follow up the previous album with so many hits. I think Contact came out a little too early. Mm. I think that, I think that it was just so much pointers coming at you and, hey you and back in my arms and dear me. I mean, oh dear me, the video where you got to play men. Yeah, that was fun. You know, and um, one last clip before we end, you know, I said that, um, you know, you sang for the last time with Bonnie, but your, your son Malik had put together some shows at Cantor's in Los Angeles for people in the West Hollywood right. area. It's a great place. And it's sort of like a drop in casual place. Mm -hmm. And so there were um, two times and I was lucky enough to be there because I live right around the corner. Oh, wow. Um, so you got to sort of revisit some of the old material and some new material. So there was one clip that 
again, another one of my favorite songs, also a root song. So uh, people can look at just a little vintage clip of the pointers in action. And again, after 30 years, it's not a song that you guys sing usually. And right. you just, and no, and I think people should also know no rehearsal, no guarantee that you were going to sing. Nope. You, your, your son's like, all right, get up there, aunties. And it's like, okay, I guess we're singing. We just fall in. <laughs> um, and he had die. sort of surprised you guys. I know. Okay. Last clip. Now we're going. Okay. okay. You did reimagine, and this was Malik, uh, reimagined one of your songs. So. <laughs> Just so fabulous. And what a great way to do the song. Who would have ever thought? I know. I know. Spontaneous. Uh, All right. Well, we've got so many questions. First off, season's greetings from St. Louis, Missouri. Set Me Free, another one of Roots Talents. Oh, people just adore you. I want to remind people, please, if you haven't read her book, I'm uh, still so excited. My Life as a Pointer Sister. Uh, it is an amazing book. I first met the Pointer Sisters at a benefit in Boston at Avalon. Terrible picture of me, <laughs> but a great picture of you guys. I look like a kid from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um but we were together at the Hollywood Museum recently, and um, I just want to say you have given people so much joy, and to sit and talk, as you know, obviously, I could sit and talk to you for 20 hours, but an hour 45 is probably enough. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you, thank so you much for-, for having me, and, and my fans and everyone I, I can think of has given me great joy, too. I never expected my life to be this way, but I'm so grateful. Well, I think that you have given people so much joy that you deserve to get at least a little of it back. Thank you. Ruth, thank you for coming on. Please have a happy holiday. Stay safe. Try to stay away from all this snow out here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk again soon. Bye, honey. Oh, my God, Ruth Pointer, the Pointer Sisters. I can never get enough of any Pointers. And we had Issa. We were supposed to have Ruth's co-author and his phone, because, of course, I run so long. His phone died, so he had to log off. Oh, I didn't even mention, but Ruth Pointer is a fan of my play mama, Jennifer Lewis, and read her book. So um, thank you to all the Pointer Sisters. Thank you to all the fans for tuning in. This was a dream come true for me. I love my pointers. Uh,
I don't know if you knew that. Um, next week, Tuesday, we have the great Taylor Dane, our pre-Christmas show. So be be sure to uh, tune in on Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Um, there may be a show in between Christmas and New Year's. Not sure. Who knows? Um, that's it. Take care of yourselves, people. Um, try and stay warm, stay safe, stay healthy. I have been Billy Masters, and this is Billy Masters Live. And if we're here, we're live. I now have to go out and shovel because I've got old parents. And, you know, I don't want them to die in the snow. All right. Take care. Bye, guys. Thank you.